From the American School Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for school counselors and other leaders in education. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. ASCA's School Counselor of the Year Award honors professionals who devote their careers to advocating for the nation's students and addressing their academic and social-emotional development and college and career readiness needs. Today, we sit down with one of the 2023 School Counselor of the Year finalists, Beth Ruff. Beth is a school counselor at Powder Springs Elementary School in Powder Springs, Georgia, a recognized ASCA model program school serving 815 students grades K through five, two thirds of whom receive free and reduced price lunch. Beth has been a school counselor since 2008. Welcome Beth and congratulations. Oh, thank you, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. I hear that you have a passion for art and arts integration. Yes. So I think from the time that I was little, probably my mom would complain about the crayons all over the walls. (laughs) So as soon as I could hold a crayon that I just loved art and even walking across the kindergarten stage, I was like, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. So art has always been really important to me, just as like a coping skill, as my creative outlet. So naturally, when I became a school counselor, I just used art in my work with kids because I know how art can help me through stressful situations or as a form of self-care. And then I used it in my lessons as a way to help with retention So then I came across this whole idea of learning as arts integration, that you don't just enhance your lessons with arts and crafts, or I'm going to do a lesson and then I'm going to do a cute coloring page after it. Arts integration is where you take it to the next step, where you really start to integrate the art standards from visual arts and drama and music and dance. Take all of those art standards and integrate them into your lesson. So while we are doing a watercolor, we're actually talking about the elements of art and color and shape and line and design so that they are learning both, both this counseling skill that I'm working with them and also an art skill from the art standards. So this completely changed my life. Once I found out about it, and then I had this amazing opportunity where there was the school in my county that put out a video that was just phenomenal talking about we use art to teach math we use art to teach science and it blew me away and I was that is what it's all about tapping into different ways of learning tapping into different forms of intelligence and it just happened that I was actually able to see that there was a school counseling position open. And now I'm here at Powder Springs Elementary as an arts integrated school where I get to infuse art every day into my counseling program. Wow, that's awesome. And how does it look on a practical day to day level as a school counselor integrating the arts into your counseling program? So it's a little bit intentional in terms of that you have to get with. Again, like I said, there's a difference between arts enhancement and arts integration. So I really do take my time to look at the standards and think about what I want to do. What issue am I wanting to address? What am I wanting 
what topic, what ask a standard am I approaching? What do I want them to know? What do I want them to believe? And then how can I use art to help me get my kids to be able to understand that? So for example, Frida Kahlo is probably one of my most favorite artists. And it's not just about her work. It's also about her life. So she is this testimony of perseverance from being injured or being sick with polio from the time she was little and battling that and then going on to be a teenager and in a horrific bus accident that left her with many injuries and disabilities. Through all of that, she maintained her self-confidence, her uniqueness and her individuality and persevered and continued to keep painting. So even with first graders, when I read a story about Frida Kahlo, and then we discuss about how if I'm having a hard day just because, oh, this math problem is hard for me, but then I can look at this artist who did these amazing masterpieces and knowing that they were in pain or knowing that they had overcome an illness, but they found art as a way to help them and they continue with perseverance. Well, then I've taught that just in that one lesson by using the life of Frida Kahlo. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. So like so many counselors witnessed when they returned to the school building after the pandemic, students were struggling to manage their emotions and handle conflicts and regulate impulsivity. And often, despite staff's best efforts, many schools experienced an increase in discipline referrals. I hear that Powder Springs Elementary School was no different, having this shared experience as well. How did you use arts integration to increase student self-management skills and decrease classroom behavior problems after the pandemic? That's a great question, Jen, because you're absolutely right. When we came back from the pandemic, the teachers were coming to me and going to the, and then we were just looking, what is going on with our kids? The part about us too, as an arts integrated school is that we didn't have, I would say, more traditional type classroom settings. So we had all kinds of different options for seating. There weren't a lot of desk and chairs. It was more of we can have couches or we have beanbags or, and there was all kinds of different options. And we created stages for inside the classrooms. So the environment had completely changed as well. So they've had this time on virtual learning and then they come back and then they are being asked to sit in this desk without moving. And the teacher is going to stand at the front or maybe the teacher is like for, in my case, that we were online and in front of the students at the same time. And it was difficult for all of us. And if our office discipline referrals started to go up for rough and boisterous behavior, and we needed to do something different. So I thought to myself, what is it that we can do? Because we're all struggling. What can we do that's going to help our kids through this whole situation and help us kind of figure out how we can get them to be okay with this kind of traditional classroom setting and regulate themselves. So the research is pretty clear whenever you go into looking at sensory play and about how we can use our senses to regulate our emotions and regulate our feelings and our behaviors from tactile, you know, the touch, kinesthetic, being able to touch and push on things or feel things, our auditory and hearing things and 
visual and listening and looking at things. So I took that from those sensory rooms. And then what we already knew as an arts integrated school was that art helps in so many different ways with attention and focus and the engagement piece. And each year, our county offers a grant for any educators who want to do something that is innovative. So I built a team of arts integrated specialists, so teachers at our school that were experts in arts integration, and my co-counselor and myself, and we developed this proposal of that we wanted to create almost like a children's museum at our school where they could touch things and move things. And while doing so, learning about coping skills, learning about their feelings, so they can move Matisse-style magnets on a board and think about the shape of their feelings or touch our textured wall and think about how do my feelings feel? Are they rough? Are they soft? Is it scratchy? And how can I move these lights or change these things or play a beat on the drum in the drumming room that kind of replicates how I'm kind of feeling? And all of this is building those coping skills. So we actually won. Yay. And um, so we won $9,000 to build this space. And We created this regulation station. It's a hallway filled of just, it looks like a children's museum. And we spent the entire summer (laughs) building it with the volunteer carpenter. And when the kids came back, their eyes just lit up. They were so excited about the sensory path on the floor and about how they could touch things. And then as they were doing it, you could hear them say to the, like, wow, this could really help me when I'm stressed or wow, look at this or watching them use their posture and their mannerisms and the mirrors and and replicating different feelings. So then we trained our teachers on how to use the space, like how, making sure that they our students had time in the regulation station, that they were teaching those coping skills while they were there. And it has, it has really impacted our school especially when we were at that time where we were not getting those alternative seatings options and we were having to keep our distance. It gave us an opportunity to kind of like, wow, okay, I can still cope and I can try something new to regulate myself. I'd love to learn a little bit more about the logistics of the regulation station. So how does it play out on a day-to-day basis within the school building? Oh, that's a great question. So we met with each grade level of teachers during their planning at the very beginning of the school year and talked about how we gave them a chance to actually experience the regulation station themselves, walking them through the experiencing and then asking them, how else could you use this? For example, one of our experiences is a giant light bright. And so the kindergarten teachers was talking about how they could use this for graphing. And how that social-emotional piece is already built in. So if I am a kindergartner and I'm going up to the light bright and I'm pulling out all the pegs and then I see a friend that is not able to have any pegs because I've taken them all, that's our teachable moment about self-regulation and about how we can share. So while we're working on math graphing, we're also incorporating art because we're talking about pointillism. And then we're also incorporating that sensory and that social-emotional learning piece of getting the lights and feeling the texture of it. So they loved it. They 
talked about which one was their favorite and that. And then we created a Microsoft calendar that was open that was sent to all the staff and anybody had editing rights so that they could go in and block off different times that they wanted to use the regulation station. That helped us in terms of scheduling. We encouraged them to go for at least 15 minutes a week. There were some that went had blocked off an hour each week. And if I saw that maybe there was one class that wasn't using it as much, we would reach out to them and say, hey, would you like me to show you a lesson with your kids on how to use a regulation station? And all of that helped to build our schedule. So there were very little conflicts in terms of scheduling. That's great. And what a great collaboration piece. I really just like to tap in on your just vast knowledge on arts integration. So for school counselors listening today, what are three ways that someone could incorporate the arts into their daily practice immediately? I love that. The thing about arts integration is a lot of it we're already doing anyways, especially elementary school counselors, but this applies to anyone's. For example, number one, if we looked at role play and drama, well, that really is an arts integration strategy. There's so many of that. We use role play all the time as school counselors. But if we just take it a step further with being able to look at the standards, so asking them, as this character, how are they feeling? As this character, what would their posture be like? As this character, what's the stance? What's the dynamics between these two? And so how is your stage presence? So now we've kind of added in those drama standards along with the role plays that we've been typically doing as school counselors that we do all the time. Um, I have a great set of acted out cards that are by um, Nancy here in Georgia, and they ha- she has from elementary all the way up to high school. And they're ready, set, little role play exercises, that, and it tells you how many cast members you need and kind of sets the scene for them. And so I found this to be a great way about talking about empathy because we could stand up in front of the class and tell them all about empathy, but when they get to experience it, when they get to put on their performance and really feel it and take on the, the experience of that character, that's what really helps them make those changes. So definitely role and drama play, but just thinking about those drama aspects and those terms from drama. Another one that's really simple that you could use is called See, Think, Wonder. And I love this because if there is a painting or a piece that's maybe even special to you, or if you look at it and you have a kind of emotional reaction to it, then you probably have used the See, Think, Wonder strategy. Um, In the regulation station, we have several masterpieces um, from Van Gogh's Blue Period and uh, The Scream and Lichtenstein just to show different emotions. But we asked the kids to look at it. So for example, Mona Lisa. When you would look at the Mona Lisa, you would ask the children, what do you see? And then you wait for their responses. Ah, what do you think? And then you wait for their responses. And then you say, what do you wonder? And I found that even the Mona Lisa is a great example to teach about how we listen and follow directions because her eyes are looking at you, her mouth is closed, her hands are in her lap or quiet, and we can think, what is she smiling about? What do you wonder about it? I wonder why the artist painted this. I wonder who she is. So that's another great arts integrated strategy that could be 
easily incorporated just by deciding on a painting that you would like to use. Um, and the last one is music. I have always, my, my sister would call me a walking musical because I guess I just have this knack or this ability. I don't know if it's a talent <laughs> to be able to, you can give me a word and I can probably find a song that's got that word in it or it's about it. I don't think she meant it as a compliment when she said it, <laughs> but, but using music in my lessons is something that has really become like just a staple. For example, if I want to teach about conflict, then I might pass out to my fourth graders the lyrics of the Beatles, We Can Work It Out. And if I have enough time, I may also compare those with Dave Mason's We Just Disagree. And as the song is playing, I choose not to show actual videos because I just do videos with the lyrics on them just so that they can kind of focus on the words. But when the song is done, I asked them, what did you think about while you were listening to that song? What do you think when they wrote the song, when that the singer-songwriter was singing, what is the message about? What do they want the listeners to understand? What's the meaning that's coming across? What words are the most important in the lyrics? So, for example, and in, in We Can Work It Out, it was like, try to see it my way. I try to see it your way. Only time will tell if I'm right or I'm wrong, right? We can work it out. We can work it out. And you don't even have to, especially with the older kids, even tell them that it's about conflict resolution because it will, it blows me away whenever I see that they come to all of those conclusions on their own. And that's giving them that autonomy instead of telling them what this is about they get to make those connections for themselves. And Dave Mason is similar in that he's like, there's no good guy, there's no bad guy, there's just you and me, and we just disagree. And so it's funny to see these fourth graders who have no idea what type of music this is and kind of introduce it to them and then for them to make all of those connections about how they could use the strategies in the song to help when they're having a conflict. Yeah, those are great tips. Thank you. Shifting gears a little bit, how do you champion equity and systemic change in your school and or your district? So that's a really good question, Janet. I think um, just as a school counselor, we all have those moments where it was just an aha moment or earth shattering moment or wow, I did not know that. Something similar happened to me. I Recently had a student transferred in, we'll call him Kevin, um, into our school. And Kevin was charming and likable. Everybody just thought that he was the greatest. And he was doing what I thought fairly well um, in our school. And it was a few weeks later that a court-appointed special advocate came to our school and asked to speak to me and then said, okay, well, I'm, I'm here to speak to Kevin. And I was like, Kevin? And she was like, yes, he's a foster child. And then began to tell me about the, his history with his mother regarding drug abuse and, and about the trauma that he had been through. And it just blew, I don't know, just opened my eyes in the sense that I had no idea. Like you would have had to you could have knocked me over with a feather in the sense that I, I just had no idea. So at that point, I realized how many other kids are in my school are in foster care, and I don't know who they are, and I don't know what resources that they could be provided, because that's the thing about 
children in foster care is there are so many different resources that we could offer them. So because of this work with the CASA, we were able to get records transferred a little more quickly with, uh, for Kevin, we found out that he was not in the appropriate classes, that he was not receiving some of the services that he had in place at the previous school, his school of origin. There was just so many different things that weren't in place, but because of this CASA and because now that we know about him being in foster care that we were able to take care of. So I thought we can't let this happen to any other kids. So immediately we went to the clerk and said, if someone enrolls a student that is in foster care, please email us and let us know so that we'll be able to make all those connections with them, connect them with the resources. I want to be able to connect with them as well. And that was powerful. So immediately they did. And once we did some research, I found like five other kids at my school were in foster care. And we developed this little cross-grade mentoring group for them. So Kevin was in and a couple other fifth graders, but then there were a couple of little first graders and kindergartners. And it was It was really powerful to be able to see that when they had a conversation, they were finally with people who got it. And they would talk about their frustration of kids saying, oh, you're adopted. And no, I'm not. Or, well, you don't have a mom or or things like that that were so hurtful to them. But then to have a safe place with the small group, that support group that I was creating for them, to be able to talk about court or talk about family visits or talk about different things that was just not common language to so many. And that's another thing the research tells us is that school connectedness is one of those resilience factors for foster children. So and it's kind of full circle. In one of our group sessions, we had um, asked them, like, okay, are there any, what's your favorite song? Tell me about that. What can we do? And uh, what would you pick? And Kevin said, well, I have one I want to play for you, which was interesting because Kevin, although he's likable and charming, he didn't say a whole lot. And then he began, he asked me to pull up a song, and I had actually not heard it before at that time, Sam Smith's Good at Goodbyes. And that was one of those times that I couldn't hold back wiping away some tears because when he says, The lyrics say, every time you leave me, the less that I cry, and I'm just getting good at goodbyes. And it just was, and then when the music, when the song ended, he said, that reminds me of my mom. And that was just gut-wrenching to know about the trauma that he was experiencing. And he, we heard from his foster mom that like, whenever he felt stressed, he was blaring Sam Smith, which is just another example of how music can help in so many different opportunities. So we just definitely championed for those of the foster kids that are in your school and started leading trainings at our county level about how to identify children in foster care at your school, making the collaboration with your clerks so that you can identify them, connecting them with the state resources for children in foster care, and We even took it on the road. So my school social worker and I presented it at our state conference um, and a few webinars just to bring, raise that awareness that these children are in your building and how to identify them and how to support them. Wow, that's really incredible. 
I guess I was under the assumption that schools were notified about this. So that was really a learning moment for me to hear that that's really not the case or not always the case. Well, that's a good point too, Jen, because with some of our efforts in uh, Cobb County is one of the biggest counties in the state of Georgia. So they actually had our legislators reached out to kind of Cobb County and school social workers and others and took a little bit from my school social workers and our trainings and our raising awareness about foster children and to where there was a law passed that now in the state of Georgia that anytime a foster child does enroll into a school that they have to hold a meeting with the school social worker and other stakeholders to talk about the trauma that that child has experienced and about how they can best support them. So yeah, so we did create kind of systemic change just from that. What great advocacy work. That is really such a great example. So shifting gears a little bit, I hear that you were part of a small team in Cobb County, Georgia, who worked on developing an elementary school suicide prevention bibliocounseling curriculum. Can you talk about this curriculum and sharing what it looks like for elementary students in the county? Yes. Yeah, so I think that we realized that we were doing so many different things and um, at the middle school um, for sources of strength and other programs, but there wasn't something in place for our elementary students. And unfortunately, suicide is still one of the leading causes of death for elementary students as well. So I think it was important that we addressed it. And so our counseling consultant at the county said, I want to create a little team so that we could develop some lessons. So we had to really kind of look at what was age and developmentally appropriate for elementary from kindergarten all the way up through fifth grade. And we talked about coping skills and about how identifying those feelings early of sadness or hopelessness, identifying those feelings in other people. What can you do? How do you ask for help? How can you know when somebody else needs help? And that that could kind of easily be translated into suicide prevention. So we looked at um, our favorite form of, you know, engaging children is with picture books. And we found a great set of books and we keep adding to it. One of them being You're Here for a Reason. And it's by Nancy Tillman. I love that book. Right? It's it's beautiful. And it just talks about how we're all connected and you have a purpose and that you are here for a reason. And I love the illustration of how the kite was, the boy lost the kite, but how it ended up connecting and being so helpful for all of these other, all of these other animals along the way. And then we talk about how we're all connected and what life would be like if you weren't here, like we need you. So we use that book. And then for an arts integrated or also STEM activity is that they have chopsticks and tissue paper and in little quadrants, they build their own kite. And they talk about like how, okay, but you're only allowed to use the tissue paper you are only, you're the one that's going to be using the chopsticks and you're the one that's going to use the tape and the scissors so that everybody has a part so that we're all connected and we can't accomplish our goal without one of us. And so you can see how that kind of 
directly ties into suicide, that we need you to be here and that how we have to check on each other and that because we're all interconnected. We're so excited to present on it at ASCA and I'm going to be doing a presentation on arts integration as well. And y'all are coming, you know, ASCA is going to be in my home state in Atlanta. So I'm just super thrilled about that. We are so excited. And yeah, I can't wait to check out those two sessions. That's amazing. I'll be there. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Um, so we've talked a lot about music, right? And songs and how we can use music to kind of describe our emotions. So if you had to pick a theme song to describe you, what would it be and why? So for (laughs) the Beatles, I've played a really big part of my life. Um, and so for example, I walked down the aisle to something by the Beatles, you know, with George Harrison singing something in the way she moves. And that's where I walked down. We walked out to All You Need Is Love. And then when my children were babies, I would sing Blackbird. And so all Beatles songs are kind of, I would probably encompass them all as different theme songs for different parts of my life. But as a school counselor, easily help is my theme song. Like, because it talks about how help, I need somebody, help, not just anybody, help, I really need someone, help. And when I was younger, not so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any ways, right? But now those days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. And, you know, so help me if you can, I'm feeling down. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? And that's what we do as school counselors. We're the helpers and we help them with their academics as they struggle as students and we help them with their friendships and their and building those social emotional skills and we help them develop those career plans. So that's definitely my theme song as a school counselor. We ask all podcast guests this question, what inspires or motivates you? So I was thinking about this a little bit and I think it just happened to me just I had this little realization that this is what it's all about. And I don't want to sound cliche that it's about the kids, but it is. It's about the kids. It's about when I walk into the classroom and they are so excited to see me and then when excited to share how they've used something that um, that we talked about. I have one little guy who comes in every morning and he loves, because while I'm in hall duty, he likes to come up behind me and tap me. And then we play this whole little game of like, uh, of laughing and giggling and asking each other, what's up with you? Like just asking about what's his day for them to show off their favorite shoes or, or like this week, one comes in and you can immediately tell that there is something wrong. And to find out about an argument that was had in the morning and that you to help them find out how can we turn this day around for them. So it's about those aha moments for the kids. It's about being there to be their cheerleaders. So definitely the children, they inspire me, they motivate me. And even when I'm having maybe not such a great day, I can go sit in a classroom with kindergartners and and my bucket's filled right up. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for joining us today, and thank you all for listening. We hope to have you back on our next episode, but until then, be sure to check out our website, schoolcounselor.org, for school counselor resources. We'd also love to engage with you on all of our social media platforms. Find us on Facebook at the American School Counselor Association, 
Twitter at AskaTweets, and Instagram at WeAreAska. Thanks and hear from you soon. I'm Jen Walsh, and this has been I Hear You Say, the podcast from the American School Counselor Association.